right, good morning. Good to see you today. Do want to make sure you come back out next week for our revival. Uh, as Colby was talking about, Dr. Cashin will be our preacher. He was uh, one of my professors when I was working on my doctorate, and uh, uh, you will enjoy him. He's preached here before. You know I wouldn't bring someone here that you wouldn't enjoy, and so you will enjoy him. And uh, he did play baseball for Charleston Southern years ago when it was called Baptist College uh, many years ago, and, and uh, he still talks to the team from now and then and gives them devotions, and I think uh, uh, you'll enjoy him, so it's next week. But today we're in John chapter 21, which is uh, the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, as we look at another resurrection appearance as we are celebrating the week after Easter. You know, in some way, some way down the line, Easter has turned into, we, we have the biblical uh, idea of what it is, of course, but the secular view has turned into a time of Easter eggs and Easter bunny and all that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, if you look online at old Easter bunnies, some of the old ones are actually pretty scary looking, uh, pretty frightening looking. But, but it's always been around for a while. I'm not real sure where it came from, but uh, Easter bunny is a thing. And then if you have young children, when they get into the presence of the Easter bunny, uh, they, you don't know how they're going to react. So, for instance, here's John David with the Easter bunny a couple weeks ago. And uh, that's a nice Easter bunny. That was one of our deacons, actually. And uh, uh, he was fine with Easter Bunny. He didn't have any problems with Easter Bunny. But I remember another little boy who was about his age uh, years ago that did not have such a, a good reaction to the Easter Bunny. <laughs> and that's my oldest child. And uh, did, did not want to have a picture with the Easter Bunny. When the Easter Bunny came in his presence, he did not want to be around him. And, you know, children are like that with these kind of masked characters. Well, today we're looking... Uh, at a passage of scripture that talks to us about what it's like to be in the presence, not of the Easter bunny, but the presence of Jesus Christ. And it's going to show us the type of responses we should have in the presence of Jesus Christ. John chapter 21 starts in verse 1, says this. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, it is the Lord and when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. 
And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised. And then verse 15 tells us this. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were wrong, I mean, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this to him, he said to him, follow me. Heavenly Father, as we continue to worship today, we thank you for this passage you've given us. Lord, I pray uh, that you speak through me today, that my words are yours, that you fill me with your spirit, and that we see today uh, the reactions we can have as we are in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to show you three things today about being in the presence of Jesus. Three things today about being in the presence of Jesus Christ. Number one, there is excitement in the presence of Christ. There is excitement in the presence of Christ. Verse 1 talks about Jesus revealing himself again to the disciples, and they named these men the Sea of Tiberias, which is another way of saying the Sea of Galilee. And it says in verse 2 there, there was Simon Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel and the sons of Zebedee, James and John, that's who that was, and then two other unnamed disciples, and they were, they were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. That's a, that's a, a passage of Scripture, John 21.3. You've probably quoted a lot of times. Don't realize you're quoting Scripture when you said that. John 21.3, I'm, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. And it went out, but that's why they call it fishing and not catching, because they caught nothing. Now, this is right after the resurrection. And the excitement of Easter had maybe somewhat dissipated. And we find that these seven disciples had left Jerusalem. They had traveled back to their homeland in Galilee and kind of went back to their old rhythms of life. They were still fishers of men, but they were also still fishers. They were fishing for their, for their livelihood. Many of them were. Many were fishermen by trade. They had left their jobs to follow Jesus, but Jesus was now walking around resurrected. He was getting ready to be ascended. And then he appears to them again. It says, verse 4, just as day was breaking, he stood on the shore, but they did not know it was Jesus. And he said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they said, no. And he said, verse 6, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they did it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. When they, when they cast the, nat, the, the, the net on the right side of the boat, they, they didn't know exactly who was talking to them, but obviously they didn't question 
uh, who the voice was or how the voice knew that they would be fish. They took their word for it. So when they caught so many fish, John then, the disciple who, whom Jesus loved, realized who was talking to them. It was Jesus. Because a similar thing had happened that was recorded back in Luke chapter 5 when Jesus first called them to be their disciples. They couldn't fish. A similar thing happened. And now he's been resurrected. And he says a similar thing. And they bring up the fish. And John knows who it is. They know who it is. Therefore, Jesus used a momentous time in their life when he first called them to then remind them who he was. And we, we see this happening. Verse 7. And then that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on, not off, <laughs> he put on his outer garment for he had, was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. He swam to him. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging a net full of fish about 100 yards off. So when Peter realized it was Jesus, he put his clothes back on. Now they, they had two garments. They had an inner garment and an outer garment. He had taken his outer one off because it was hot and he was fishing and had his work clothes on. And then out of respect for the Lord Jesus, he put his outer garment back on. Then he dove into the sea and swam with that outer garment on to make himself presentable, even though he'd be sopping wet. Make himself presentable to the resurrected Lord. It was all worth it to see Jesus. He was excited to see Jesus. You know, the last couple of weeks I talked about uh, the Easter Bunny and, and, and John David, a little three-year-old, has had uh, several Easter egg hunts he's participated in. Last year he didn't quite know what they were, what he was supposed to be doing. But this year he knows exactly what he's supposed to be doing. And the couple hunts he's been to, we can't, we've had to hold him back before we let him go. Okay, not, not quite ready. All right, one, two, three. And he runs to the eggs in full sprint with his Easter basket. Just runs right to the eggs. And the excitement of what lays ahead in finding those eggs causes his little mind and his little legs to run fast. And he had a big haul of eggs all the time and that's what I think we're supposed to take from this story is that childlike excitement of an Easter egg hunt that childlike excitement Peter had and he realized it was Jesus and he was ready to be with them ready to be with them sometimes when I come home from work John David's still young enough to do this he'll run to meet me at the door he wants to see his dad the older children don't necessarily do that I walk in, and they'll say something like, hey, bro, or something weird like that. I don't know. Well, who, bro? What are you talking about, right? The younger children still want to run to the dad. Peter wanted to run to Jesus. You know, he could have celebrated the hall of fish. He could have worshipped the 153 fish, but he didn't. He worshipped the giver of the fish. He worshipped Jesus who provided the fish. This is a mark of true spiritual maturity. Uh, Peter wanted to be with the Lord more than he wanted to enjoy what the Lord had given him. That's how we know we, we've grown. Do we, we enjoy Jesus more, being with him more than what he actually gives us. 
So we know he gives us a lot, provides for us a lot. Peter cared more about being with Jesus in the presence of Christ than just rejoicing over the miraculous haul of fish that he had provided. So there is excitement in the presence of Christ. Secondly, there is peace in the presence of Christ. There's peace in the presence of Christ. Verse 9 says, when they got out on land, they saw a, a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. So when the tired and excited fishermen, they got back to the shore, Jesus had already made the preparations for breakfast. Isn't that cool? He'd already made them. He was doing all he could to bring a sense of peace to his followers. It's, it's a wonderful thing to wake up in the morning and then have breakfast made for you already, isn't it? I, I remember uh, as a little kid staying with my grandmother, and she'd wake up about 5 in the morning. <laughs> I hear pots and pans banging around, thinking, gosh, it's way too early to be up. And I'd finally get up, I don't know, at some point, walk in, and she'd have all this, you know, you know eggs made and everything, and she would, she would make these special breakfasts and everything. It was a great feeling to, to walk in and, and, and have, you know, I felt like a king living with my grandmother, right? All the stuff made for you. That's what Jesus had done. He had everything made for them. Give, put them at ease. Give them a sense of peace. It says in verse 10, bring some, some of the fish that you've just caught. Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And oh, there, were, there were so many, the net was not torn. Now, why does John give us this detail that they caught 153 fish and that they were in the net and that the net didn't tear? Why does he tell us that? He could have just said there was an incredible amount of fish, none that you could count. Or he could have just said it was 153 fish. But he made sure to say that the net didn't tear. I believe it's his way of, of telling the reader, us, that, that Jesus provided for the disciples as much as he could without hurting them, without inconveniencing them. Because he could have given them 200 fish, but the net would have torn. Then what would have happened? They wouldn't have had a net. Well, thanks, Jesus, for the fish, but how are we supposed to earn a living now, right? Now our net's broken. Now he gave them as much as he could without hurting their business, without hurting them in some way, not having to buy a new net. He blessed them to as much as he could without hurting their lives. And sometimes too much of a good thing is a bad thing. And that could have been the case if he had given them 154, 155 fish. Sometimes we may be prone to wonder why God doesn't give us more in life. Have you ever thought about that? You know, why don't I have more? Why don't I have a bigger house or a bigger truck if possible? <laughs> Or why, why don't I have this? Or a bigger family? Or why, don't I, why don't I have more? Right. You know, God gives us what we need, and he, and he provides for us, and he gives us what will give us peace, I believe. God's not going to give us something that's going to create anxiety for us. He's not going to give us something that's going to create worry. He, Jesus gives us peace. God could have given these fishermen all the fish in the sea, but that wasn't good for them. And they didn't need that. You know what they say, more fish, more problems, right? No. 
He gave them what they could handle and what would bless them and what was good for them. See, when God chooses to give you what he chooses to give you, he does it to help you, to maintain your sanity, give you peace. And he says in verse 12, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. We know from other resurrection appearances recorded in the Bible that Jesus' resurrected body was slightly different. It was different. It had the scars, but it was different. And we know this because at first glance, the disciples did not recognize him. They weren't sure who he was. They would talk to him and not really know who it was. Well, if you think about it, it makes sense. If my body was all of a sudden perfect, you wouldn't recognize me either. Think about it. If my, if my, Bible, if my, if my body was sinless, perfect hair, no wrinkles, no fat, perfect teeth, you wouldn't recognize me. You would say, whoa, what happened to you? You'd walk past me on the street and you'd be like, looks familiar. That, I know who that is. The same with you. If y'all were all perfect and I hadn't seen you in a while and, and I passed you on the street, I'd say, I, I know, oh, that's who that is. They knew him by his words and his actions and they knew that that was him by the peace that he provided because there's no peace in the world like being with Jesus. And they knew that. So verse 13 says, he came and took the bread and he gave it to them. And with the fish, this is the third time that he had been revealed to the disciples. Now, something about Jesus being present we got to talk about. So he's not present with us one-to-one the way he was with the disciples. There's no Jesus standing right beside me. We know that. He is in heaven reigning at the right hand of the Father. That's where Jesus is. But before he left us, he said this, John 16, 7. He said this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The helper is the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of Jesus Christ that if you know Jesus, you have in your life. So when you turn from your sin and you place your faith in Christ, the Spirit of Christ, the Helper, comes to you and indwells you and is with you. The Helper, he convicts the world of sin and righteousness and he leads you into truth and he brings peace and then you experience this presence of Christ in your life. Life. You don't have to swim across the shore to be with Jesus. You're with him all day. There's really four ways we experience this. First, we experience his presence in this room today, in corporate worship. You hear the word of God preached. You sing praises. You sing hymns to him. You experience that presence of Christ. You experience him when you read your Bibles, whenever you encounter the Word of God, you hear the Word of Christ. This is the Word of Christ. Christ is called the Word. You experience it whenever you read Scripture. You experience His presence in prayer. When you pray to Christ, you are in communication with God, thus in His presence. And if you have Jesus in your life, you really experience Him at all times. He is with you wherever you go because of that indwelling Holy Spirit, there is peace in the presence of Christ. Now, we can crowd it out sometimes. 
We can neglect to read our Bibles. We can neglect to pray. We can neglect to come to worship. And we can ignore the voice of Jesus in our hearts when he tells us what we should do and where we should go and things like that. But when you take time to be with him in that presence of Christ, he brings that peace in your life. And finally, number three, not only is there excitement and peace in your life, in Christ, there is restoration. There's restoration. Verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, I think it's funny that there's all, all time in the Scripture that they're eating together, you know. You know, there were a bunch of Southern Baptists on the shore. Yeah, we're just being biblical here, right? That's why we eat. It's all in the Bible. I mean, it's baptism and the Lord's Supper, right? When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, why is Jesus asking this? Well, in John 18, you might recall, John records that three times after Jesus was arrested, Peter publicly denied knowing Jesus. Three times. And he says, Peter, you'll, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. They arrested Jesus. Different people came up to Peter and said, I know you. You sound like one of those people out there from Galilee. I can tell by your accent. That's not me. Oh, yeah, that's you. That's not me. Yeah, I know you. That's not me. No, I don't know him. And the rooster crowed. And he wept bitterly. And so Jesus is asking him here, hey, Peter, you love me? <laughs> Peter says, ah, yeah, of course. What are you talking about? I, yeah, just last week, right? Yeah. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Peter says, of course I do. Jesus says, then prove it. Feed my children. You know, if leaders, pastors, people really love God's people, what they're going to do, they're going to feed him his word. Amen? They're going to feed him his word. Jesus says, feed him. Because he became one of the leaders of the church. If you love him, feed him. But that wasn't it. Verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, tend my sheep. The word here for tend is shepherd. That's the word. Shepherd my sheep. He says, okay. And then a third time he says, Simon, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. He's like, why are you talking about God, right? Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. He is distraught. But Jesus is doing this three times because he's restoring Peter. Because three times Peter denied Christ. And three times Jesus is saying, do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. But he didn't just say yes. He tells them, feed my sheep. Not the lambs, but the sheep. Adults need the word of God too. And that's what he says. Feed, shepherd, feed. That's the pattern of a shepherd. And he says, Peter, if you're going to lead my church, and he did, you're going to have to not only love me, but feed my people.
shepherd my people. And in that breakfast, Peter, who just recently publicly denied knowing Jesus, out of fear, was restored. See, there's restoration in the presence of Christ. No matter what you've done, no matter if you've denied him, there's always a chance to be restored in Jesus Christ. Now, he may make it a little tough for you, for you, and he might use the same type of situation to restore you as you fell out of. For Peter, it was denying him publicly. So Jesus restores him by making him acknowledge him publicly three times. And Peter did. And then he tells him, verse 18, he kind of tells him how he's going to die, which is weird. He says, this is how you're going to die. You're going to grow old and you're going to take you by your hand. And, and then he says all this. And then he says this at the end, follow me. Which, if you may remember, was what he told them on the shore when they called him in the first place. Follow me. Following Christ is something that when you make a decision to do so, you make that decision, you're baptized. Maybe you're 9, 10 years old, and you're baptized. And like we do, and I get you up there in the baptistry, and I say, are you willing to follow Christ for the rest of your life? They almost always say yes, and they're dunked. But Jesus doesn't say, okay. All throughout your life, he's going to continue to say, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Be in my presence. See, sometimes he's leading us. And we're walking down the path after him, and we're like, I don't know about that way. We go over here, and he says, follow me. Follow me. See, there's always restoration in the presence of Christ. We're going to have a special time of invitation today. We're going to stay seated during the invitation. The handbells are going to play for us a hymn right after I pray. And as they play this hymn today, as you sit watching today, ask the Lord how you need to be restored. Ask the Lord how you need peace in your life as you follow him. Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, for who you are, what you've done for us. And Lord, as we listen to these handbells play these, Lord, this, this, this heavenly music today, that we will search our hearts. And we will meditate on what you've given us as we sit in your presence today. Lord, we love you. In these things we pray.